Inverse Genius Episode 9, Flavortown. In this episode, Don and Bruce talk all about food you find while you're heading out on the road. Inverse Genius is sponsored by our fantastic Patreons at patreon.com slash obg. Everything that you give there helps to support all the podcasts in the Inverse Genius umbrella, and we certainly appreciate it. So head on over there and check us out. Also, spread the word about the Inverse Genius podcast. Thanks. Well, all right, here we are in the middle of Hurricane, um, however they're pronouncing it, not Hermione. I keep saying it Hermione. Yeah, but there's no O in it, right? So. No, but I don't care. Okay, well, excellent. And so there's lots of rain, and I'm going to have to drive, I don't know, tomorrow I'm going to have to drive 18 hours to go pick up my son somewhere from where he's stranded in Florida. So I thought that, Bruce, we should be talking about travel and food. One of my favorite topics, actually. Is it really? I had no idea. Yes. Uh, For a while, before I got into board game media, I actually had a travel blog called Bruce on the Back Roads, where I would talk about like what souvenirs you could find places and used to add sort of food commentary into that. I really thought that might have been about something else, but okay. So I understand. But no, surprisingly enough, souvenir collecting. Bruce on the Back Roads. Yeah, I I imagine your house is like a palace of um, Kish. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it definitely, it sort of looks like the scenes in a lot of movies when you go into, like, the wizard's den, and it's just st- stacks of unknown tchotchkes everywhere, where you're like, well, I bet if that combines with something, it probably does something really magical. Yes. Uh, that is a lot of what our house looks like, much to my wife's chagrin. A little Kunstkammer of American culture, pop culture. And, uh, that's what we're shooting for. All right. Well, cool. So, I, there's, there's a co- of course, a couple of ways to travel, and one is... You've got to get somewhere and you've got to do your power travel. And it's like, I'm going to a con. I've got, you know, just barely enough time to get there. And so let's hit that kind of how do you prepare for those sorts of travels first? And then we'll worry about our our leisurely grand tour sort of travel. Um, the short travels are not necessarily my forte. Um, only because I don't do them. I specifically plan so that I don't have to. You and I have conned together, and you're well aware of that because I believe uh, my wife Rocky and I had planned like an 8 p.m. meeting with you and got there at like midnight o'clock uh, because of that. Which, uh, which, in which I was inflicted some of the worst gaming at a convention I have ever had the pleasure to sit through. And for that, I am sorry, but not any of the rest of it. But for the, the poor gaming for you, I am I feel a little bad about that. Well, okay. Um. But whenever we need to do kind of the short travels, normally I think the best idea, if you have the room, is just to get yourself a cooler, uh, get yourself some snacks together, and just power on, and you only stop at gas stations. Right. Yeah. See, beef jerky is my travel food of choice. Okay. And for those who who have not had the joy of of it, as I'm very particular, I hate any of the soft sort of, this is unnaturally moist and chewy sort of, I like... My my beef jerky has to be like hard tack. So if you go to Love's Beef, you know, any of the Love's travel stops, they have these either tubes or little cello packs of beef jerky that is the Love's branded beef jerky. It's from, I think, Henrietta, Oklahoma or, okay. or somewhere, Robertson's beef jerky. That It tastes basically like you're eating a steak, um, but it has all the texture of shoe leather. So I, I recommend that as my if I go if I'm traveling and I see a love store I will pick myself up the fifty four dollar tube of meat. Um, 
All right. So <laughs> what? A lot to unpack normally, there. I understand. Yeah. Um, I would normally suggest. So when when my wife and I do travels, our whole key is to try and find new things. Okay, and I don't think that even if you do the speed power travel, you are excluded from that. Good. Good. Uh, good. The thing I would note to everyone is. Do not think that visiting a new convenience store chain or a new fast food chain is not still adventure. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I, yeah. When I went to ALA, I stopped in at a 7-Eleven for the first time in like five or six years. And they had their own brands of potato chips with weird flavors. So yes. I got to at least try that. And the same happens. There's one on 95. I mean, because, you know, 95 is such a corridor of tourist traps. Uh, God bless them. And I do, too. Um, that you can usually, if you do a decent search ahead of time on one of many websites like Roadside America, you can find that there are still some places to grab a quick couple gallons of gas and a coffee that are still unique stops. Uh, I would search for these if you know you're on a trip like that and you know you're going to need gas because th that's the main thing I always try and tell people. Even if you're on that speed trip, if that speed trip is 19 hours... You have to go to the bathroom, you have to get a quick bite to eat, you have to get more gas for your car. There's no reason that you can't try to plan it to still have a little bit of adventure, even on those speed trips. So I would say if you can find unique truck stops, they're usually good for some really weird stuff to take a look at. Those are usually my favorite stops because there's so many weird things people can buy for trucks that I wish I could put on my Kia Soul. Well, yeah, or things that you wouldn't <laughs> expect that truckers would want to purchase in public. You know, exactly like, oh, OK, yeah, I can see where a little bit of regularity would be good for a trucker. Yeah. And I think that's all fine. Have that adventure uh, and don't trivialize it. Anytime you can have an experience that is a new experience, I think you should go for it. And if it's as simple as stopping at a Love's instead of stopping at a Shell, I think you should go for it. Um, some of my favorite adventures have been stopping at random fast food places that are not chains that I'm used to. Uh, oh, absolutely. It gives you one more thing to talk about. Now, and of course, you got to be careful because the neighborhoods that you stop in, you, you know, you might stop at a Jack in the Box and it's a bad one. That doesn't mean that all of the Jack in the Boxes are truly awful. The, you, you really have to contextualize where you are, how busy they've been. You know, that being said, you stopped at one of my favorite horrible travel stops on your way down to Dice Tower Con uh, south of the border. So south of the border and I have a very interesting relationship. If you haven't been there, there are a couple of America's, and I dare use all of this in a phrase, but I will, America's great tourist traps. And you hear about things like Wall Drug, I think is one. Rock City in, in Tennessee is usually one you hear brought up in this conversation. The Mystery Spot is one you'll hear about. South of the border is the one on 95 that everyone talks about because it is this amazing... How do I put this? Because you can't go to south of the border and not acknowledge how patently racist it is. You can't do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, it's so kitschy that we've let it live as a country. And it is everything you want in a tourist trap if you don't want to buy anything or eat anything. <laughs> because the food is dodgy, the stuff to buy is garbage... But if you want to go to, a, to, to the bathroom in a pavilion that looks like a giant sombrero, that is the only place you're going to do it. And oh my gosh, that place just smells like regret. Even in the depth of winter, it is, you know, many lives I'm sure have just been ruined 
in and around the environs of south of the border. But yet, you know, the kids see it and they go, oh, I love the signs. Let's let's go there. And, and there's another place here uh, that's between here and south of the border, between Myrtle Beach and the south of the border called Pedro's, um, okay. which has a little dog and dynamite for its logo or something. That It's sort of the same same type of much smaller thing. And it just it really feels like this whole region, you know, Myrtle Beach, all of Myrtle Beach is a tourist trap if you're within half a mile of the actual ocean. And that is what I've heard. Yeah. I've never been there, though. It's one of the tourist traps I've never caught. But so, yeah, uh, back to south of the border. Uh, when we were moving from Maryland down to South Carolina, we stopped there every time. And frequently when we're going back up or coming back down from visiting family in New York and whatnot, that uh, we'll stop there. And the time of year that you go really sort of affects the texture and, dare I say, flavor of the atmosphere because I can imagine that in July or August, it is just, it is just not pleasant. Uh, it's a weird mix of I've been there at all times of the year because it is one of those things. Like I said, you, you always have to go to the bathroom. You always need to grab a soda. Uh, so we stop almost every single time. I, as much as I have a very contentious relationship, because every time I try to do something there, they have an arcade. I said to my wife, you know what? I just want to play one game of pinball here at south of the border. That we can get back on the road. But I've never, every time I come here, the arcade's closed. Mm. I want to play one game of pinball. Yep. The- I walk in, they have no games of pinball. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm really south of the border. Uh, I wanted to get a shirt. And I'm a big dude. So I had to get a big dude size. And I figure, this is America. It's a tourist trap. They're going to have big dude sizes. The only ones in big dude sizes are neon yellow and more racist than I'm comfortable wearing in public. Every time I try to do something there, but if you go in July, uh, it's still not great, but there's a ton of people there. Like on a July afternoon, there are, you know, 100, 200 people kind of around the complex. And it is, it is a campus essentially because it is a hotel and a sit-down restaurant and a fireworks booth and an ice cream place and another restaurant and an arcade and a tower and a neon sign and a place where I think you can buy like flowers or something and three t-shirt shops. And this is all just in this and campus. There's of, a leather goods shop and yeah. a place you can buy fireworks, I believe, if it's yeah. still there, hadn't blown up. And during, during October, it really feels like the set of a zombie apocalypse movie. It does most of the cold months. If there's not a reason for people to kind of move school children down 95, it's pretty dead and surprisingly understaffed for as many buildings as it has. When I went, I think I went in in October, I was taking a car down from my uh, my in-laws from Maryland down to Florida and stopped because it's what you do. And like all but two buildings were locked tight as a drum, which makes me question how the place is even profitable uh, which anytime you go there, you find yourself kind of wondering how it still exists other than the will of our country is to let something this strange live. It is just sort of lost in time. But I tell you what, you say moving children down 95, bus loads of school children down 95. Sounds like the beginning of a CSI or NCIS episode. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that when I turned that phrase initially. Uh, but uh, Yeah, and the food there is truly awful. So we're saying don't yes. go there. However, they had this weird little convenience store. Well, I don't know, eight years ago, I don't know if it's still the same thing, where everything, it looked like the front half was convenience store and the la- back half was sort of piles of stuff that stank of army surplus. Is that still? I didn't see that, but that doesn't mean it isn't there. Because that's the thing, when all the buildings are open, it is a huge place. It is 
small theme park sized. Mm. Uh, so you can go into five buildings and still miss nine buildings of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, and I would say this is the other thing. Is, is it great? No. Uh, is the food there good? No. I went for a coffee. They said they had a latte. They did not. Like everything I tried to do, they patently did not have the thing I wanted. Mm. I still go every time. Because it's such a cultural touchstone. If you talk to anyone that's traveled, the 95 corridor between sort of the mid-Atlantic and the south, everyone knows it's there. You should go at least once because this is a conversation that Donald and I have had now for about eight minutes. Right. And it- because it's just something everyone's done. The iconic thing there, if you stop and you feel like you need to leave with something and you don't like anything there, there is a terrible like black bumper sticker that just says south of the border, and you'll see them on cars everywhere. Because it used to be back in the day, when we were not as polite as we are now, they would sit out there and slap them on the backs of cars that dared to stop in the parking lot. <laughs> so you'd end up with a free bumper sticker, whether you wanted it or not. Free advertising. Exactly. It- now I think they cost like a quarter apiece. That is the thing to get. Because they're in some way, as much as I have told you how bad the place is, I do still conceptually support it ex- its existence. And had I bought a bumper sticker, it would be on the back of my car right now from south of the border. So I think it is a place to stop. Just expect that to be a place you're going to go to the bathroom and point at looking things, kind of like a, a zoo, and then get back in your car and go get food somewhere else. It is kind of like the physical manifestation of all things disappointing that happen on family trips during the summer. It is, I'm shocked no one has made a movie. I was thinking, uh, was it not in one of the, it should have been one of the family vacation, National Lampoon vacations. I feel like it must have been, but I feel like there's probably a Clerks-esque movie that could be made about being the guy that runs a place like that during the middle of the day. Or yeah, or yeah, during the off season, you know. Yeah. But I hate Clerks, so we're not going to have that discussion. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, So, but there are places where you can go to find other novelties, and you were mentioning sort of the off-brand uh, you know, Phillips, you know, filling stations or whatnot. When I was traveling from Virginia up to uh, Connecticut, uh, there was a place I stopped. They had Marion Berry Cola. Wow. And I was like, how do you, where do you even get the syrup for this stuff? But this was back in the <clears throat> 1900s. And <laughs> that I was like, this is – it was amazing. I was like, this should be everywhere. And then they had lingonberry. Another place had like a lingonberry syrup, cola kind of thing. And you can – and it's getting tougher and tougher with everything being so terribly franchised to find these unique tastes and flavors. When, when I was a young kid, still going on family vacations, wherever we went – and I think this is sort of where I got my you know taste for adventure, so to speak. My dad always bought whatever was the local delicacy. All right. So we went through uh, the Carolinas and he had boiled peanuts. We were, you know, he had the uh, soft shelled crab. Wherever we go, he would just get whatever it was that was the local thing. You could have said, here is, you know, sun dried hedgehog. And we love this around here. And he'd say, okay, I will have one of those. And frequently he had the most disappointing meals of anyone in the family because I was like, I'm going to have a hamburger and fries. Like, you can't go wrong most places with the hamburger and fries. But I think his trip experience was that much richer. And now he doesn't understand. I will, if, if I go shopping with him, I'm like, oh, I've never seen this before. Into the bag. He's like, this wasn't on the list. I'm like, no, but it would never be on anybody's list. So I have to try this thing. 
I wholeheartedly support that. I also think what the other cool thing is now is with the internet, because that's definitely changed how we eat, where we go, and how we tell each other what to go do, is if you're traveling, use sites like TripAdvisor. Use sites like Yelp. Yelp. They're not bad. Uh, TripAdvisor is usually the one that Rocky and I use. So what we'll do is, is we'll scope out a city like Richmond, Virginia, because that was one that we headed into. And we'll look and we'll see, okay, what are the top 30 restaurants in Richmond? And then we'll go down. And normally in any given city, the top, like in the top six, at least four of them are like $4 signs. We don't worry about those because we're not looking for a high-end meal. We are still on the road. Right. So we start to look in the $1 and $2 signs and then just start reading the reviews. Uh, in Richmond, we actually found a 24-hour uh, Mexican place. It was uh, Mexican Salvadorian because we got papooses when we were there. Nice. But we got them at 2.15 in the morning or 3.45 in the morning, and it was rated like the number five place in all of Richmond, Virginia. It wasn't a buffet, was it? Because I would no way eat a buffet at 4 in the morning. Oh, no, 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 no. They were making the stuff fresh and shocked that we were there and more shocked that we could not speak Spanish. Uh, because they started speaking Spanish to us, and my wife knows just enough to kind of say, like, we don't speak Spanish. And sort of everyone kind of snickered because they couldn't believe that non-Spanish speakers had found this place at 3.30 in the morning. Mm. And we got pupusas, and it was awesome. No, we got tortas, and it was awesome. We had some of the real, like, the, the Mexican Coke in the full liter bottles that I don't know how they got them. And it was an amazing experience. And that was because we were willing to use TripAdvisor and kind of scope out the city rather than just go to the quickest thing off the exit. Like not just go to McDonald's or Burger King. We did a little bit of research with a little bit of research. You can get a much grander story and a much better feeling for an area. Right. So back before there was all this crowdsourced data, the way that we used to pick where was wherever we saw the most truckers stopped. It was like I don't if there's a whole if there's a whole crowd of people, of course you'd go there. But if you're on the road and you saw that there were a whole bunch of truckers there, then you knew that the food was either going to be delicious or plentiful, one of the two. And if you look at me, you know I'm a big fan of plentiful. Absolutely. And I am the same way. I would also say if you're if you've built a plan hey, I'm going to go to blah 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 in this place, and while you're headed there, you suddenly see a restaurant with a line around the block, do not hesitate to drop your plan and figure out why everyone's in a line. Unless it's a Krispy Kreme, in which case, yeah, oops. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not against Krispy Kreme, and I think it's, it's like a lot of chains. I think if you've never been to it, you should go to it once. Yes. Uh, the same way I feel about like Del Taco and Whataburger and in and out if you get a chance to stop at one, even if you're in Hardy's country and you have a chance to go to, I can't remember what the other half of Hardy's is. Carl's Jr.'s. Carl's Jr. Because things are going to be a little different there. I don't think those sort of experiences are bad exactly if you already eat fast food. If you're a person where you do not touch fast food under any circumstances, I'm not telling you to break that particular part of your life. I'm not trying to change your religion. But at the point that you're already doing those sorts of things... Those are the weird experiences we all find ourselves talking about. Yeah. Um, I really do honestly believe, and I know you know people have kind of told me I'm wrong and I'm okay with that, but even a simple experience as going to a fast food restaurant you're not used to could be the thing you can talk about with somebody on an airplane 
or could be the thing you're talking about at a convention, or you're going to find people and you're going to have these experiences where you can say, hey, have you ever been to blah, 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 and it gives you a couple minutes of conversation, and I think that is the best you can hope for out of a random stop on a road trip from one place to another. And, you know, I've gotten an far too much mileage from the world's largest entertainment McDonald's that you dragged me to. I must say that has been quite the tale to tell. And and a lot of those sort of things are, are going to be. It's also why, like, when people come into the town in, in Baltimore here, uh, we are known for our crab cakes. That's what we do. And I often tell people, do you want a good crab cake or do you want the crab cake you can tell everybody you had? Because there's a difference. And I think, like, in most given cities, like, so the, the, one, the one I like to use that I think is the best example because most people know it is if you're getting a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, there are a ton of really great places to get a really good cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk to someone in Luxembourg about it, you better go to Pat's and Gino's. Pat's and Gino's makes two of the worst cheesesteaks in all of Philadelphia. Um, trying to decide whether you like Pat's or Gino's is the only way that one of them's ever going to beat anything and anybody in any taste competition is only if they're paired against each other. But I guarantee you right now, if you are in the middle of Luxembourg and you say Philly cheesesteak, someone at the airport's going to go, Pat's or Gino's, man. Huh. So th- that's where you go. You go to those two first. They're not a good example of the particular food, but they are the one you should go to for the story. And I'm, They're I'm culturally significant. Incredibly culturally significant because everyone does it. I kind of wish everybody went to any of the better ones. <laughs> But sometimes, and that's why when people come into Baltimore, I go, do you want the story, which is we take you to Lexington Market, you get to say like, oh my God, I went to Lexington Market in Baltimore, nobody shot me. Uh, It's not that bad a place. (laughs) But you get that story, you go to Fadley's, which is like the main place that everyone talks about. Is it the best uh, crab cake? No. Anybody, people sitting in Fadley's will tell you where you should go. That's not where you're sitting. (laughs) But... It is one of the like two places to go. Either that or we have a place called Phillips, which is right on the water in the Inner Harbor, which is our main uh, tourist district. Those are the two places you take somebody. Are they the best? No, not at all. I can tell you 10 other places. But when you're you know, in Montana and you mention you had a Baltimore crab cake, people are going to say, hey, did you go to the place up off the water or did you go to the one on the water? Right, so- and I... Yes. No, no, I, th- I think that's all great. Oh. It, uh, my strategy then would be if you had the time, so if you were visiting an area, right, first you go to the, well, these are the ones that people are going to be talking about because uh, everybody got poisoned there once or we all love it or, you know, it's it's not necessarily the best. And then you go to the one that has the quality, the sort of the uh, the iconic, this is the delicious crab cake version of my crab cake or our local cuisine because in that way it's getting better every time you don't want to start with the best and then go to the dive and go you know yeah sure the atmosphere here is nice i'm glad i didn't get knifed but uh, the food wasn't good because you always want your food experience to to get better over time it's not like booze where you want to go from the best booze to (laughs) to the your palate's blown out and you're drunk and you don't care anymore worse booze but with food experiences i think you want to you know, deal with your tolerance for weird stuff going on and your excitement, your happiness up front, because, you know, trying new things can be stressful uh, and you you really want to be able to improve your experience. Would you agree or do you think I'm going at it backwards? Um, I completely agree with you if you can figure out how to plan it that way. But, uh, sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you get something and it's great and then you just find another iconic thing. Like I went to Memphis 
we got uh, ribs and things at Interstate because the big one there, the rendezvous, was closed. Every time we passed through Memphis three times on a trip, every time we went there, it was closed. It was Mondays, right? Because rib places yeah. tend to be closed on either Sundays or Mondays. Yep, and I think at one point we were there on like a Friday night, and it was too late. They had closed for the night, and the next time we came through it was Monday. They were closed again. Uh, we went walking on Beale Street and found Dyer's Hamburgers, which I had heard about because that's the place that if you've ever heard the story about the burger joint where they had to take like 50 gallons of burger grease in an armored car, that is Dyer's Hamburgers when they move from one place to another. Wait, what, what, um, what was it? Tell, tell me more. Okay, so Dyer's Hamburgers, what they're famous for in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee, is that they fry their burgers in grease. They have bubbling, boiling grease. They dip their burgers in it to cook their burgers. They pound them flat as a piece of paper and then throw them in this grease to cook them. Well, some of the molecules of that grease are 100-plus years old because they have been using the exact same grease since they opened the place like 109 years ago. And the FDA or the EPA or someone has not shut these people down? I've, no, I've got to try this. I'm, I'm sure they check them every so often, and they remind you that it's boiling, so there is no ability for it to gain germs because it's constant boiling oil. Uh, but at one point, the one of the, they left their tiny place that they had and moved to Beale Street where all the tourists are. And when they did, they took the pot of grease and had it transported by armored car to make sure that nothing would happen to this pot of 100-year-old grease. That's some good mythology building there. That is, that, that is really class is. A. And that is why we stopped there. Now, I would say, this is my opinion, people knock me on this. Because if you take a look at all of your best burgers in the country lists, no matter who makes it, if it's a travel magazine, if it's Esquire, Esquire put this place as one of the places worth having a heart attack for. <laughs> um, I cannot disagree any more than I do. To me, it tasted like a generic Wendy's hamburger. Well, okay. That, that having been said, though, I did, like, we had lunch. Walked to Beale Street and then had second lunch because I was like, oh my God, this is Dyer's. And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, I didn't even realize it was in Memphis. And then people got on their phones and they were like, oh God, it is a thing, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, it is. So we got the smallest thing they would serve us that was still food. But I, I think sometimes, and I, I, you know what? That actually just supports your, your idea because I had the good thing first and was upset that it got worse. So you know what? I take that back. I don't think you should avoid an experience because it might not be better than your last one, but if you can plan them from worst to best, I do think for food that is better. So you're talking about burgers here, and and I have I have a burger theory. Okay. Which is that there's, okay, if, if it's not thick enough to have the outside crispy and the inside be, you know, medium rare to rare, that it's a slider, right? So, so many of the burgers that people eat are sliders. They're not real hamburgers. They're they're kind of like dwarf planets, you know? Okay. That that so we really need to start classifying our hamburgers better. Whether is it <laughs> is it a is it a real burger like a pub burger? I guess you could call it a pub burger or what Hardee's used to call the. Uh, the seven dollar burger, though I guess now all the burgers are seven dollar burgers. That's kind of yeah, sad. I've lived to an age where that commercial is now monetarily irrelevant. That, that's why I always joke. Have you ever seen the movie Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the one scene where she orders a five dollar milkshake, and he goes, "That's a five dollar milkshake. What is that bourbon in it?" I have well lived past the point to where a five dollar milkshake. You're happy it's a five dollar milkshake. Yeah. Gosh, I'm old. Anyway, so, but yeah, we could do a whole another whole episode on burger theory. Um, but so, yeah, uh, my, we have a great place here, or did. It was a Cuban 
Jamaican Mexican restaurant. And my pa- my parents came into town and my mom ordered the enchilada platter. Right? And it wasn't any good because she's from Oklahoma, right? Where we have Mexican restaurants, nearly as many as we do gas stations and churches, right? Okay. And most of them are better than any Mexican restaurant that I have had since I've left Oklahoma. Texas has got better, um, but in South Carolina, we don't have better and, and so forth. So I, she's like, this isn't very good. I'm like, well, why did you order off the generic Mexican restaurant? You should have ordered one of these, <laughs> you know, one of these other cultural things because their specialty items are delicious. So you can go to an amazing restaurant and still get a subpar experience based on what you order. So order the iconic dishes, order the chef specialties, order the order the weirdness, and you're going to enjoy yourself, I think, just a whole lot more. Yeah, and if you can have a meal, even a fast food meal, and get with it the ability to have a conversation with someone in the future, I think you should always grab at those. And before we leave, and I know we're going too soon, there's one more website slash app I want to point you to. Yes. So TripAdvisor, I think, is great. Yelp, I think, is great. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not against sort of your Yahoo and your Google searches. They, They can help you a little bit. There's one called TV Food Maps. Ooh. And what this does is it's an app you can get on your phone or you can look it on the website and give it an address. It will tell you every restaurant you're close to that's ever been featured on television. Nice. So, and what now the important thing I will note if you use this is look at the TV show. Okay. So, like if it's <laughs> drive ins and dives, probably worth checking out. If it was on Restaurant Impossible, Figure out why it was on there. <laughs> uh, if it was on the one where Adam, whatever his name is, just ate large quantities of food, then send your and then, then go there if you're in college is what I'm hearing. Yeah, or at least figure out because normally the way the show would be constructed is he would have the big like the the million pound burger at the end of the show, and he would say, "Oh well, today I'm in name generic city," and he would show you one or two places early in the show that were just really good food for the city, where it was just a standard food travelogue. Go to those. If it's the place that had the 80-pound hamburger, try to figure out if that's a place worth going to, because sometimes the super novelty food, uh, at that level, the place can be a little dodgy. If what they make is a chicken wing you cannot eat or a hamburger you cannot ingest, you want to do a little research. Yes. Uh, But if it's any of the other ones that were on the show, normally they are just the best places in town. And normally worth your time. So if you can get TV food maps, that is, if Rocky and I are in a last-ditch situation, the last thing we'll do is turn on TV food maps and see what we're close to, and if any of them were featured on a show that we would care about. I need to travel with you all a little more. Oh, I mean, it is a heck of an experience. Whatever I can't manage to do, Rocky can. So we have some really fantastic road trips based on that. But I would say use those uh, tools that are available to you to try and give yourself the best experience in any given city. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of tips. Uh, one is if you're at a, at a place and the name of the restaurant has bacon in it, probably it's a good place to go. Yeah. Because they've got they've got their eye on the flavor, right? If it's got Ward Blake breaking <laughs> in, there's a place in Greenville. It's, it's, I think it's called Bacon Brothers or something like that. Like, yes, I went there. They had delicious everything. Um, they even had like a Bloody Mary with bacon as the stirrer for the Bloody Mary. It was like, yes, I will go back there. I, if I had to die and live in one restaurant, that would probably be the place. Um, they have a bacon milkshake, don't they? They've got, they got bacon everything. They'll put bacon in your in your anything. I think pretty much. I think I know somebody beyond you that has gone there. I've heard of this place before. Um, it, it's it's pretty darned amazing. Um, 
And oh, I forgot what my other tip was. Oh, the other thing is that I will, if, if I don't know where to go or if I'm new in an area, I will try and find the brew pub because I've, I found that a lot of the places, if they make their own menu and it's not all just hot wings, that if they go to the effort to make their beer, they will frequently find a way to work their beer into their recipes, which those are generally better. Um, and it's not all the same generic box food that you will get at, at some of the major chains, even if it is a reworking of that said same stuff. Um, but they, they tend to do a very good job with, uh, you know, just having good food and finding interesting stuff on the whole, uh, the whole brew pub thing. So, uh, whenever I've moved into a new area, I tend to find that new restaurant that is, uh, you know, that it has been a brew pub or is a brew pub. Plus, I would say, and that leads to, and I'll give one more thing. I know we're running a little long here. Um, if you like a particular food, try to make yourself an expert in it. I say this because of the brew pub and beer. There are some people that that they are tourists on beer, and I think that's awesome. I, to me, all beer tastes like drinking a cracker, so it's just not my thing. But if there is a food that you like, if you really like hamburgers, you really like hot dogs, you're really an ice cream person, or try to make that the thing you find in as many different versions as possible. Uh, because I, I really do believe that is the kind of stuff that just makes you a more interesting person. And if you have to eat eat something you like and learn how to talk about it intelligently. Um, I've traveled a lot of the country on hot dogs, hamburgers, and barbecue. I can intelligently discuss hot dogs, hamburgers, and barbecue from most of the country. Because every time I get near a place that's a place you have to have one of those three things... I try to go there so that I'm a little more educated than I was before. This, um, I think that is a great plan. That that is that is absolutely good, unless you have chosen macaroni and cheese as your dedication of choice. Because Ooh. because I tell you what, nine times out of ten, macaroni and cheese is disappointment. Yeah, and even as much as I would say Southern cuisine is one of those things I go for. I go for barbecue. I go for sort of those types of restaurants. I like oxtail. I, oxtail is something I, I, I try to find because then you found yourself in a slow, slow cooking country, you know, kind of comfort food sort of zone. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But yeah, I agree. I've had a lot of miserable macaroni and cheese as a side item to something else I was getting. Mm-hmm. So I, I cannot disagree with or I cannot agree with you any more than I do. In that case. And that, that was the food I chose early on was, by gosh, I love this thing. And then I realized I make it better than pretty much anyone. But I think you've discovered an amazing recipe, so I will, uh, I'll have to get that from you. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, is if you can get to the point where you like something and then can you've eaten enough of it to be able to intelligently create a version of it of your own and you like it, feel free to move on to something else. Um, if you can intelligently discuss a hot dog then move on to another food that you like and pick more of those up. Because I think like any other learning, you know, I mean, we're here, we're talking to a lot of people that are into board games. Face a lot of your life the same way. You know, maybe you play every worker placement game you can get your hands on so you can intelligently discuss worker placement. Pick a cuisine. I don't think that's a bad way to go. Right. Oh, so you, since you dragged us back around to board games, you yes. if you go to events or you go to conventions or doing these things, uh, Make sure you get out of them to go and enjoy the local whatever, whether it's the cuisines, the beverages, the this, the that, the others, um, because too often you'll find people who say, oh, we're going to go and we're going to hit Steak and Shake, which, well, if you've already hit Steak and Shake, you'll know that there's nothing worth eating at Steak and Shake except for the shakes. So don't go back there unless you absolutely have to. Um, 
but you know, go and find your other things because they're going to, to sort of help bring out the glory that is the rest of your trip. Yes. And remember, once you leave and you're out in society talking to normal human beings, they won't necessarily care that you went to a board game convention. But if you can talk to them about the shrimp cocktail that was the place where the shrimp cocktail was invented, suddenly your trip to Indianapolis is fun to everyone, not just your gamer friends. Yes. Wow. I think I'm starving. I'm going to go eat lunch. I understand. I think I may do the exact same thing. Well, Bruce, thank you for coming on and talking to me about travel food. Well, thank you so much for having me, the Donald Dennis. <laughs> I'm just glad you aren't just calling me the Donald. You know, that's <laughs> that's all I'm happy about, really, at this point. Uh, I understand. <laughs> uh, so you can find out more about our podcast, or Deliciousness, at InverseGenius.com, where we have the On Board Games podcast, the On RPGs podcast, games in schools and libraries, this, the Inverse Genius podcast. And we also host the Room Escape Divas, a podcast about escape rooms. So I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Bruce Vogue. Thank you for listening. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.